Welcome back to New Rockstars. This is the big question. This is the podcast that gives you too much information about the real cursed movies. Mm-mm. Not this candy ass 2020. Oh, my movies keep getting delayed. Bullshit curses. Uh-uh. The movie curses that actually took lives and might take your life if you watch them alone at night. Curses that might live on to haunt the Avengers Endgame directors. <gasps> We'll be talking about that. I'm Eric Voss. Here with me to say Bloody Mary three times into a bathroom mirror is Zach Huddleston. Hey, buddy. Hey, Eric. I just, I got my shot glass of candy corns and my uh, <laughs> delicious uh, ice-brewed Coors Light. So I'm I'm ready to get spooky with you, buddy. It's that time of year. <laughs> you got everything you need. Tis the season. Gobble, gobble. Merry Christmas and happy Valentine's. Well, our big question this week, Zach, and Zach and I are going to tackle this one together. You want to hit us with the question, Zach? Yes. Um, so we've been asked this a couple of times, and we also just love to talk about this in general. What movies are truly cursed? Mm. That the production, something before, after, there is a feels like there's a curse on the movie. Hell yeah. Because Zach and I know from working in this industry that there have been a lot of films. You could argue all films are connected with some kind of real life tragedy. The ones we, we've talked a lot about, uh, Heath Ledger, of course, died while playing the Joker in The Dark Knight. Some believe it was connected to the sleep deprivation that he went through to prepare for that role. Infamously, one that really changed the way movies are made, Twilight Zone, the movie in the 80s, director John Landis, father of Max Landis, that guy skirted quite a few safety regulations on production. There weren't a lot of safety regulations back then. Uh, Sadly, the star of that movie, Vic Morrow, shot a scene where there were two child actors. It was like a, a Vietnam setting. There was a helicopter on the set. The helicopter pilot was instructed to fly too low to stay in frame. Uh, lost control. It was a horrific accident. The crash killed Vic Morrow and the two kids. Uh, it was awful, awful, awful. And the event led to a lot of regulations. And in fact, every TV and film set, whenever there's minors on set, they are required to be accompanied by a studio teacher. It's something that like a lot of like TV productions are like, why do we have to deal with this? You, you remind them, it's because Twilight Zone the movie. And um, one of those regulations is also if you have any child dolls on the set, cursed or not, they have to have a, a teacher doll to watch them. A teacher doll, that's, that's right. There's just a lot of dolls on every set. Um, Uh, And some of them are cursed. We're going to be talking about them this episode because uh, some movies we believe are truly cursed beyond what we just mentioned. Truly creepy stories behind their making. Really eerie coincidences that have followed them in their whole franchise history. Coincidence? I think not! But, you know, we're going to try to stay respectful because, you know, we have been told if we're too jokey with this topic, especially when we talk about evil spirits, the ghost of old man Bechtold might appear. (laughs) <laughs> but that's just a myth. That's a myth, right? That's, it's a myth. It's a myth that there's a ghost that looks like Tommy Bechtold, though it's actually the spirit of his great-grandfather, Tommy Bechtold, <laughs> though he's still wearing a Jim Kelly jersey. That's how you can tell <laughs> it's old man Bechtold. I've heard it's just Tommy astral projecting because he sleeps so well in his Helix mattresses. <laughs> And it's really him. Well, we'll find out. What's our first cursed film that we're talking about? I want to kick this off with one of the best, both movies on our list, just as a good movie, and maybe one of the most cursed movies on our list. I'm talking about The Exorcist from 1973. And for those that haven't seen it, hit pause on this. Go watch it. It's such a good movie. 
Oh, that's um, amazing. But in, in that movie, an actress's daughter, played by Linda Blair, becomes possessed by a vulgar demon that two priests <laughs> attempt to exercise. Directed by William Friedkin, who also did The French Connection, a lot of other great movies of the 70s. Yeah. But there's a lot of spooky coincidences and strange happenings. During the Rome premiere of this movie, uh, a 16th century church across the street from the theater was struck by lightning and the cross fell to the ground. Which, I mean, if getting struck, if a church getting struck by lightning says anything, I don't know if that's God's (laughs) mad at this movie or Satan's mad at this movie or both. Or God was mad that they premiered it in Rome. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of uh, Roman Catholic uh, cardinals and bishops who are probably praying against this movie. Or they were rooting for it saying, yes, this might make people go back to church again. I know, right? Like, uh, it certainly made a lot more people believe in exorcism and possession and things like that, that the Catholic Church technically does believe. It is part of the catechism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The power of Christ compels you. Oh, does it? Does it compel me? Some other uh, strange or creepy coincidences. During filming, the sets burned down at night. Well, nobody was there. Nobody was harmed. But the only part of the set that was completely untouched was the bedroom set where the girl, uh, Regan, Regan, uh, experiences most of her demonic possession. So it's a I had heard of the set. I had heard of it burning down. I didn't know the room was left untouched. That's, That's wild. That's true. It's wild, if true. Wild, if true. Um, There were at least nine deaths associated with the production, including Linda Blair's grandfather, two actors who kind of had small parts in in the movie, and Max von Sydow's brother, who died on the very first day of filming. He wasn't a part of the movie, but he died elsewhere. I will say the counter evidence to that is Max von Sydow lived like 50 more years after this movie came out like just recently died at like age 190 so so he had to watch all of his friends and family die around him zach that was the curse the true curse of old age eric yes it's been 84 years okay and then there are a couple of things and this is going to be a recurring theme for a couple of our our movies here today william friedkin the director Maybe a bit of an asshole. Not a great mm. guy. There's some stories out of sure. the 70s, like a lot of like like mm. your Francis Ford Coppola's and some of the other big directors of the era. Yeah. Very ego driven, very like my way or the highway. And he did purposely a couple stunts in this movie with Ellen Burstyn, who played the mother, and Linda Blair, who played the daughter, that hurt them. And he wanted the stunts to look super real and like maybe skirted some safety issues or whatever. Mm. Linda Blair had a spinal injury, and I think Ellen oh, Burstyn man. had like a neck injury and they used those takes in the final oh, film. Oh, that's so there's, messed up. There's a scene, you can look at it, where Ellen Burstyn gets thrown against a wall and like kind of oh, hits right, her yeah. head and her reaction is legit because she's really hitting her head and it looks gnarly. And oh then kind God. of the scene where like Linda Blair is like being like jerked up and down. She was like kind of on like a, a hydraulic board and like the, the safety harness kind of got loose and she was really being slammed against the board and like shedding real tears. Pretty gross. You nasty. There is a common theme of uh, female actors being the ones who directors like to shock and use their takes. They did this with Alien, too. Yes. Ridley Scott sprayed one of the actresses in the face with the blood from John Hurt, the chestburster scene. And it's like, why do you have to, why do you think that's the only way? I think it shows like, oh, we don't trust women to act naturalistically, so we have to like shock them and scare them on set. It's like, just trust your actors to do their job, please. God. Yes. And, and two movies we're not going to talk about, the Kill Bill franchise and Stanley mm-hmm. Kubrick's The Shining have famous stories of those directors not being very nice to their female stars and kind of torturing them in the name of art. Um, And then here's the final 
the final and creepiest evidence of some kind of curse. Maybe this is the the origin of the curse on The Exorcist, besides the okay. general theme of demonic possession. The cast includes a real life murderer. <gasps> That's right. Okay. So there's a scene where they take the girl to the hospital uh, to yeah. have some tests oh. done. And William Friedkin went to the hospital to see some of these tests be done. And so he used the real like doctors and assistants that he encountered in the scene. So it's a real doctor playing the doctor. It's a real like technician. Uh -huh. The technician in the scene was this guy, Paul Bateson, who's a real life medical yeah. technician, who four years after this movie came out, admitted to killing his lover, who was a, a reporter and like called like the newspaper and basically admitted it and there's some thinking that he might have killed other people as yeah. well uh so he's this he's was the guy he showed up in uh in mine hunters on netflix right he was one of the people they interviewed yes um in that show and in real life yep. yeah and again the the pazuzu the demon that supposedly yeah. possesses the the daughter in this movie is a real demon. He was worshipped or feared or whatever in in northern Iran, you know, millennia ago. They've got real like Pazuzu amulets and stuff like that that they've dug in out of uh, the earth. So some real stuff here. As long as we don't say that demon's name a third time, we may be okay. What? Which demon? Pazuzu? No. <laughs> <laughs> Old Man Bechtold, he's back. He is Actually, with us. you know what the holy water for Old Man Bechtold Ghost is? Coors Light. <laughs> Coors Light. <laughs> so what, what hex score would you give The Exorcist, Zach? It's pretty strong evidence, Eric, all those deaths and everything. So I'm going to give it four out of five hexes. Ooh, that's a pretty good score. All right. I uh, want to move on to another one that people say is cursed, Rosemary's <laughs> Baby. So if you haven't seen this one, it's also a great film to watch. Made in 1968 by uh, Roman Polanski and very much connected to the history of Hollywood in some really dark ways. Gotta go see it because it also is like weirdly relevant to now. It's about a young wife played by Mia Farrow who becomes pregnant under mysterious circumstances and she suffers gaslighting from her husband, from her neighbors until, spoiler warning for the ending of this movie she she delivers a child who is <gasps> the eyes what you do to his eyes the hell spawn of a satanic cult oh god what a messed up creepy ending of a film so famously uh this film is considered to be cursed producer william castle suffered from a long and painful illness that he blamed on an angry letter that was sent to him after the film's release which might be a little thin but also you got to take into account the film's composer died of a mysterious brain injury after the film ended but but most famously, the year after the film's release, the Manson family killed director Roman Polanski's wife, Sharon Tate. She's pregnant. There were other people who were murdered that night. Uh, it's documented in the, well, not really documented. It is depicted uh, or hinted at and then averted from in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Also a really amazing film that you should check out. But uh, some kind of creepy lore around this. The actual head of the satanic church, Anton LaVey, was uh, rumored to have played the devil in the in the nightmare sequence uh, at one point. LaVey was friends with Susan Atkins, who was one of Charles Manson's followers. But you know, in the late 60s, early 70s, there are a lot of people who were part of the family. Uh, one of the Beach Boys <laughs> was part of the family yeah. at one point. Yeah, Dennis Wilson, maybe. <laughs> I'll also say, Eric, just starting, I, I found a lot of connections between some of these cursed movies. The guy who plays the husband in this movie, John Cassavetes, real life husband to Ellen Burstyn, who played the mom in The Exorcist. Whoa! Eric, so 
How many hexes are you giving Rosemary's Baby? I'm going to give it two out of five hexes, just because I don't think anyone would consider this movie cursed had the uh, the Manson Tate murders not happened. I think that was one of the most horrific events in Hollywood history. And then people just backtracked, retconned, associated it to Rosemary's Baby. Also, Roman Polanski is just also a dirtbag human being. So I think that also is uh, attributed to a lot of this. Yes, a dirtbag human being who's still allowed to make movies. So that guy yeah. hasn't been too cursed. <laughs> Moving on. One of my favorite horror movies for all the wrong reasons. 1976's The Omen, a classic. The son of an ambassador, the ambassador is played by Gregory Peck, is secretly replaced at birth, and then freak accidents and all these crazy violent deaths happen. So the family kind of comes to finally, way too late, realize that their son is the Antichrist, Damien. It's all for you. <laughs> oh, the, the the death scenes in this movie are oh, both the cheesiest oh. and some of the scariest. Amen for the bushes. Directed by Superman 1 and 2 director Richard Donner. Yeah, the Goonies guy. Yes. So some of the curse evidence for this. Gregory Peck, the star of this movie, his son killed himself right before they began Uh, filming. Also, Gregory uh, Peck was on a plane that was struck by lightning. The exact same thing happened to the screenwriter when he was flying to the set. Both of their planes separately, two different planes were struck by lightning. Gregory Peck almost boarded a plane at another time during shooting. He didn't get on board immediately after that plane crashed. And part of the lore behind that is the, the plane like just got up off the runway and then crashed onto a road just kind of beyond the the runway, um, killing everybody on board, including the pilot. The plane crashed into a car being driven by the wife of the pilot. Thus, he Whoa. both he died and he what? killed his family, which is just an insane. Wait, anecdote. and was uh, that they a driver of Ellen Burstyn at some point? Can we also link it back to them? <laughs> yeah. Go back to on the radio. They were playing <laughs> an <laughs> Ellen Burstyn <laughs> soliloquy. Uh, no, but um. <laughs> Uh, an animal handler there's a great scene where they kind of go through a safari park and all these baboons attack the car yeah, and, the omen. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. like one of the animal handlers on the set like after filming wrapped was attacked and killed by a tiger some of the reports oh say God. lion some say tiger maybe it was a liger we can split the difference but regardless sure. the man was killed and I think this is my my favorite one just because of the levels here and it's tough to beat the airplane which is a crazy That's set pretty, of coincidences crazy coincidence. but this yeah. one so the special effects coordinator this is right after the movie wrapped was driving with his assistant slash girlfriend. They get in a car wreck and through very similar circumstances to a scene in the movie, the assistant girlfriend gets her head cut off. Uh, she's decapitated. A famous scene in the movie where a plane of glass cuts a guy's head off. His head yeah. instantly turns into plastic and looks like the fakest head that's ever been filmed. Sure. But So she died. The, the little tidbit that puts this over the top Right next to the car crash, there was a road sign. I think they were in the Netherlands at the time. The road sign was for a town called Omen, O-M-M-E-N. And the distance to the town was 66.6 kilometers. No way. That is awful. Yes. That's oh my God. Insane. That's a crazy one. Yes. That's an insane one. And, and you know, there was a something that happened with this movie, The Exorcist, a couple of the movies we're going to talk about. Like, it can be hard to separate the PR campaign and, like, maybe the studio kind of mm, goosing some yeah. of these scary stories to get audiences out. But with The Omen, there was a lot around it. Like, they had a minister. Uh, his name was Robert Munger, who was, like, a, an advisor on the film. And he famously said all this stuff about, like, you know, the devil doesn't want you to make this movie. He's going to come for you because he doesn't like that you're using his name 
mean so much or something like that. Uh, oh, he wants you, to stay in the shadows and you're exposing him. Yeah, though I, I've also heard the counter argument that maybe the devil loved this movie because though there's all these crazy things happening, like Gregory Peck didn't get on the plane that crashed. And oh, Richard Donner's mm. uh, hotel got bombed by the IRA in London while oh, they were well, filming. That just happens. <laughs> yeah, that just to, happens. To be IRA fair, they were bombing lots of hotels at the time. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but he was unharmed and nobody in the cast was harmed. So wow. it's like maybe the devil was protecting this movie. Oh, interesting. For all those reasons, and just for the incredible silly gore of The Omen, I give this movie three out of five hexes. Fair score. Right in the middle. There's enough evidence there that, that definitely creeps me out. The next one I'm going to bring to you, Zach, is uh, the Conjuring Annabelle Nun series, the James Wan uh, horror film universe. Right. So this uh, initially with The Conjuring followed paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren, who were real people in the movie they're played by patrick wilson and uh vera farmiga they explore various hauntings um but as the film universe expands we uh what actually starts in the cold open with the doll annabelle but then we we follow annabelle in her own film series that's the doll the haunted doll and then uh the nun uh the nun is the the latest wrinkle of this universe so throughout these films there have been various claims so vera farmiga has claimed that a ghost left claw marks on her laptop while filming which is interesting she saw it on her screen and she thinks it was it was associated so also in the conjuring uh the day that the real family that the film was based on so this was a family that was in this house and that real family visited the set crew members reported that a gust of wind followed them everywhere they went which i don't know i i've talked to some teamsters in my life they're full of stories because most of the time they're not working they're just kind of like yeah we know where he's buried but <laughs> it does remind uh, you of, if you saw that movie, you saw the trailer, one of the more memorable moments, the wind kept blowing the laundry sheet and then it caught on something and it's hurt. So maybe that that's kind of the parallel there. So on set of Annabelle, director John Leonetti claims that he saw three fingers drawn through dust on the set over and over again. And the reason it's creepy, the, the demonic doll has the three fingers and he's saying that he kept seeing like as it would come to life and just drag its fingers and leave its mark everywhere. Um, also during Annabelle, a glass light fixture fell on the actor playing the demon in the same hallway in which the demon kills the gender in the movie. <laughs> and, and then while filming The Nun, uh, the director claims to have seen two men in a room who disappeared when he turned back to them. So it could just be other associated ghosts or it could be really sneaky uh teamsters who are looking for a place to lounge <laughs> it's probably more likely <laughs> well and i like of all the movies we're talking about this is the only one that is grounded in some kind of reality obviously they yep. take some liberties but these are real people and real events being depicted in these movies so there's some like yeah. potential for real ghosts being involved right yeah. the history is being disturbed and now they're trying to keep the story from getting out i will say though when you're on a film set or a tv set zach and i both worked on these there's lots of little hidden entrances and exits because they're all <laughs> built to be uh ersatz and fix so you could just kind of be like oh here's a sneaky little spot as a pa i my first job in any pa says like where are the best places to take a nap where they won't be able to see you yes. lounging 
You find those spots, you take yes. a nap, and then uh, people don't know they exist. Also, maybe when you're filming a, a scary movie, you're more aware of these things. When you're just, you know, doing the voiceover for Trolls World Tour, you know, you don't <laughs> notice that your laptop got scratched. You know what I mean? You just yeah. take it for granted. Yeah. You think your your cat came in and wanted to do a little keyboard cat action. <laughs> Scratch. But still, um, maybe it's because it's more recent uh, and things in the 70s and 80s and 60s were scarier. But mm. I'm going to grade the rumored hauntings uh, the curse of the conjuring series one out of five hexes but room to grow that's right i mean somebody keep an eye on vera farmiga okay <laughs> if, if some bad stuff happens to her patrick wilson then then that score is going to go way up uh speaking yeah. of bad stuff happening to great actors our next movie 1993's the crow and now to oh, young yeah. zach this was a formative film loved this movie loved the mythology around this movie it's about yeah. uh, a man who gets kind of killed wrongly played by Brandon Lee comes back from the dead to kind of be this kind of spirit of vengeance has some similarities to a ghost rider or whatever this very iconic black and white face makeup that has kind of been co-opted by Juggalo and other cultures uh, since then some say it inspired uh, Heath Ledger's makeup in, as Joker in Dark yes yeah. yeah and some of the fashion there's a lot of like black leather and latex in this movie certainly we see some connections maybe to the Matrix and some other proto-goth stuff that came after it but the evidence for the curse of this film is mostly centered around the star brandon lee son of martial arts legend bruce lee who died in an onset accident where um i always growing up i always heard that it was a real bullet placed in a prop gun but it's actually not true it was a, a part of a prop bullet got lodged in the barrel of a gun and then when another prop bullet kind of shot through it this chunk of metal, which basically formed a bullet, lodged right. into Brandon Lee's chest, struck an aorta, killed him. It, terrible, right? And it kind of plays into this idea of the Lee family curse. His father, right. Bruce Lee, died pretty young uh, while his kind of star was still on the rise, just like Brandon Lee. And also kind of of unusual circumstances, like he had kind of a brain injury. Some people think it was because he'd recently had his sweat glands removed, so he looked cooler while filming. Mm. Oh, whoa. Very strange. That. But crazy. there's all these conspiracies about the Chinese mafia put a hit on him, blah, 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 the curse of Bruce Lee. Also, one of the strangest kind of coincidences between their deaths, the movie Bruce Lee was filming when he died featured a plot point where an actor played by Bruce Lee is shot by a guy who puts a real bullet into a prop gun, right? Killing him on the whoa. set. And that's basically what happened to his son during his, his final son. film. Wow. Yeah, there were some other kind of accidents on set. A hurricane damaged some sets. An electrician was kind of very badly burned. But like truly, you know, the tragedy of Brandon Lee, who seemed like he was about to kind of take off and maybe could have kind of mirrored right. some of that Keanu Reeves 90s into 2000s kind of action adventure kind of movies, you know. So I, I'll yeah. say maybe because it doesn't loom as large in our culture, this film. And, you know, it's kind of most of the curses built around this one poor guy. One out of five hoaxes. <laughs> Oops, Freudian slip. Um, one out of five hexes uh, for the crow. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a dark tale. Okay, I, I have one more on my list, Zach. And to me, I think this is the most truly cursed film that we're talking about this episode. You know what it is, 1982's Intergeist. So this is a film that has so many interesting things about it. It was uh, directed by Tobe Hooper, 
but it's believed that Steven Spielberg actually shot this movie. This movie and E.T. came out the same summer. Steven Spielberg had a contract with Universal that was ironclad, did not let him work on other stuff, but Poltergeist was a story that he, he helped develop. He wrote the script to it. It was uh, near and dear to his heart. He wanted to also direct this movie, so he had Tobe Hooper directed, who's also a talented director, but in the years since, a lot of the cast is like, yeah, Spielberg directed most of this movie. <laughs> most of the shots you see were Spielberg shots. Anyway, the story, it became a whole franchise after the fact, uh, but the original story is about a daughter, Carol Ann, gets uh, trapped in another dimension within the house by these evil forces. They're here. Family freaks out. Uh, they find out that the house, uh, spoiler warning, was built atop these graves. You, you moved the bodies, but they didn't move the headstones, did you? Uh, no, and, you uh, moved the cemetery, but you didn't move the bodies. Didn't move the, <laughs> you didn't move the bodies. You only moved the headstones. I'm not getting it right. I did just watch that movie, but I, I, because there's so many iconic moments. The teenage daughter, what's happening? What's happening? It starts out like charming. That's what's creepy about it. It starts out like fun, family, charming stuff that in your, you know, deep down, you're like, mm, there's something not right about this. The whole house goes ape shit and eventually gets sucked into a void. One of the best climaxes of a film but so many dark things happened around the poltergeist franchise so both the daughters of this family died untimely deaths we'll start with uh dominique dunn she was a teenage daughter dana uh was tragically strangled by her boyfriend shortly after the first movie had wrapped she went into a coma died five days later the boyfriend this piece of shit was only convicted of voluntary manslaughter served three and a half years in prison the judge was just every possible way you could be an asshole they brought in another past girlfriend of his who said that he assaulted her but he threw out all that testimony and the judge himself later admitted that he, he up and that the guy should have served longer that's the, uh, you know, judicial system that we had and uh, still have. But um, even more terrifyingly, Heather O'Rourke uh, died due to a misdiagnosed intestinal issue during the filming of the third film. She was still so young. But sadly, that is something that like, this is why we need to really look out for the welfare of child actors, because a lot of them, they just, they're worked to death in some cases and they they are just looked at as ways to make money and i'm not saying that's not what happened here but it is like part of an issue where a lot of child actors are just like their their health and well-being is not really looked after but really eerily the brother robbie has a poster for super bowl 22 in his room which i think is insane because the movie came out in 82 super bowl 22 came out six years later in 1988 so why do they have a future Super Bowl poster in his room? Some prop master didn't know how to do Roman numerals, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe. But what's even crazier about that, Heather O'Rourke, Carol Ann, died the day after Super Bowl XXII, six years later, in San Diego. That was the same city where that game took place. Uh, what? Now, the reason why a lot of people say this is cursed. So the movie, of course, uh, the reason why people believe it was haunted is that it was these home developments were built on cemeteries and they didn't move the bodies. Well, the first movie used actual human remains in the final sequence. At the time, apparently realistic looking prosthetics were not widely available and would have been super costly to construct. So the special effects team the makeup artist Craig Reardon himself testified under oath in an unrelated lawsuit about authorship of the script. He testified under oath that they got 13 skeletons, real human skeletons from India via a medical supply company. 
Wow! That's a low price! And then they just touched up the remains to make them look more degraded and, like, uh, emaciated and gross and, like, still covered with sinew and, and flesh. Which, to be fair, there is a long history of this in Hollywood, right? Like, obviously, before, yes. like, the advent of, like, easy replicas, like, in, in the movie Frankenstein, they use a real skeleton. Like, there's been, like, in basically any horror movie made before yes. the 80s, if you see a skeleton, there's a good chance those are real human bones. Doesn't make it any less creepy. <laughs> And what's super gross about it, you'll remember the scene, the, the mom goes into the dugout swimming pool and then the, the bones float up and it freaks her out. She, at the time, as a young actress, thought that they were prosthetics. She thought they were props. They didn't tell her those were real bones. She just didn't think to ask. And later she found out about it, was super creeped out. And a lot of people associate the, the curse around this film to be related to the fact that they use 13 real human skeletons in the production of this in a story about how you should not disturb human remains. But uh, the actress Joe Beth Williams uh, said that everyone was so creeped out in the sequels, uh, they had the co-star Will Sampson, who is a real life member of the Muskogee Creek Nation. They had to perform an exorcism on the set in the second movie um, just to put everyone at ease. But years later, uh, crew members in the 1990 film Ghost claimed to have heard footsteps and a child's laughter on the set which we found out later was the same soundstage that Heather O'Rourke had shot on shortly before her death. <sighs> the actor of a cursed film cursing another film is the snake eating its own tail of cursed films, is it not? <laughs> right. I believe it is. And we'll see how this develops because in April 2019, they announced that they are rebooting the Poltergeist franchise with directors of Avengers Endgame, the Russo brothers behind it. So Zach, do you think that curse will follow them? Well, I hope not because I enjoy the work of the Russo brothers. Uh, which which Avenger would you cast in a Poltergeist reboot, Eric? I think it's gotta be Mark Ruffalo. That guy, no one can show confusion and bewilderment on his face like Ruffalo. He's the modern day Craig T. Nelson anyways, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. All right. And I am going to score this five out of five hexes just because of uh, the tragic deaths that have surrounded it and the fact that we have proof that they did actually something very creepy on the production. Uh, I feel like that's got to be connected in some metaphysical way. Absolutely. As we close out this segment, Eric, I will kiss this button I took from your coat the last time I saw you in person. It's Thinner. Thinner. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Next, you'll be coming to me begging for help. <laughs> Will someone put a thinner curse on me, please? I've uh, gained a quite a bit of weight but one way that i try to keep the calories off loving the segue you loving the segue yeah uh, is by drinking a nice light beer even though these days we're not technically going anywhere that doesn't mean that life doesn't feel go 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 as we switch from doom scrolling on social media to zoom meetings uh, to family obligations it's a lot we gotta deal with a lot sometimes zach i know how you feel we gotta just turn it off and when we do we reach for the beer that is made to chill Coors Light. Thanks to Coors Light for sponsoring. Coors Light is brewed with a three-step cold process, cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged, so it's actually made to chill. You know, Eric, I had one of these special cans, too, that, like, the mountains turn blue when it gets cold enough. Oh, yeah. You can still, it's it's been open for a little while now, but you can still see their blue here, and that's how I, that's yeah, how I knew it was time to pop this bad boy. I do believe, and, and this is not intentional, I do have a larger beer than you, Eric, that's not a reflection 
in of my manhood in comparison to yours or my thirst okay. or anything like that. So it just happened to be the one I got. Do you think maybe he's compensating for something? <laughs> it means I'm a bigger man, and to me, the drinks look real small. I'm a big, uh, tall Paul Bunyan <laughs> with my cans of beer. Man, the mountains look so small to me. <laughs> look at those hands. Are they small hands? Look, that's why Coors Light is the one we choose when we need a moment of chill. So when you want to reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. You can have Coors Light delivered by going to by going CoorsLight.com and finding a local delivery option near you. And remember, celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Ooh, also, Zach, have you seen uh, the Social Dilemma documentary on Netflix? I've heard so many people talk about it, but no, I haven't gotten to it yet. Oh, you, you, you got to watch it. This was uh, such a, a terrifyingly illuminating <laughs> experience for, for me. So in the movie, uh, you learn these tech insiders explain how social media is specifically engineered to exploit users' data for profit. They call it surveillance capitalism. That is exactly what it is. Look, uh, you know, I may be cool with normal capitalism, but... Uh, I don't want my data being harvested so tech billionaires can get richer and richer and I get nothing out of it other than people like knowing me and putting me in a code form into their algorithm so they can kind of predict my habits in a very creepy way. So that is why I put an extra layer of protection around my data with ExpressVPN. You didn't see that coming? So every time you use the internet, big tech companies mine your data by tracking your searches, your messages, your video history. But when you run ExpressVPN on your device, it hides your IP address which websites can use to personally identify you, it hides it so that it makes your activity more difficult to trace and sell to those evil advertisers that are out there. You still need to be careful with what you share on social media, but ExpressVPN can make your web browsing more anonymous, as it should be. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your internet data to keep you safe from hackers and all kinds of prying eyes. Many VPNs will slow down your internet, but not ExpressVPN. It is incredibly fast and easy to use. Just tap one button and you are protected. So if you don't like the idea of tech companies exploiting your personal information, then visit expressvpn.com slash big Q right now, and you can get three months of ExpressVPN for free. That is expressvpn.com slash big Q to protect your data. Go to expressvpn.com slash big Q to learn more. Okay, now we're going to move on to a bite-sized question that I'm going to answer. What is it this week, Zach? We got actually a physical letter from uh, viewer Ooh. Lindsay. We think does a does a great job uh, doing some Doctor Strange cosplay that we might link to here. But she asked this very important scientific question, Eric. Okay, all right. Do the massive biological changes that happen to our favorite heroes impact the magnitude of their farts? Okay, and what is the possibility <laughs> of their farts causing any kind of damage? Excellent question. I'm so glad you asked. Well, we did find this Marvel toy game called Operation Hulk, in which the cover of the box depicts a, uh, it's like Operation, but with Hulk. Uh, there is a deadly green gas coming out of his butt with a skull and crossbones, implying canonically that Hulk's farts are deadly. So you gotta be careful. We couldn't find evidence of this in the comics. Maybe it's out there somewhere. We couldn't find it. But I guess the question is, do we measure fart damage by like pungency of the odor? or amount of the gas release, the force with which the blast comes out of his booty hole. <laughs> I mean, what is fart damage? That is the ultimate big question, I think. I mean, it certainly damaged some relationships I've been in. <laughs> <laughs> I 
a lot of road trips ruined by uh, fart damage. <laughs> oh, hey, what the hell? A couple elevator rides. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about how flatulence works uh, biologically. It's a normal process. They believe that most people should be farting about 10 times a day. So, you know, all your girlfriends out there who say they don't fart, they are ripping it, you know, uh, a decade at a time. <laughs> so be smart, know your farts, and let them rip. Really, it happens when our bodies swallow air. Naturally, whenever we're eating or drinking, uh, that air builds up. Uh, also, when we eat foods that are difficult to digest, uh, it releases a gas that builds up. And if you think about it, Hulk eats what we eat. He just eats a lot more of it. We saw that huge breakfast in Avengers Endgame. He was also constantly snacking. He was eating ice cream, which I don't know about you, Zach, but when I eat ice cream or dairy, mm, clear the room. <laughs> Also, I, I thought about this. When that guy is jumping battle to battle, he is roaring. He is taking in all kinds of air as he mm. leaps. I have to assume that would result in more air trapped in his digestive system. But I don't know if the farts themselves should smell any worse since it is the same food being broken down with the same enzymes in his digestive system, which I assume from the fact that at no point in the MCU do, was, does really anyone complain about Hulk's natural B.O., so they never say, oh, he stinks, he's stinky. So I would assume that he probably has a comparable metabolism to a normal human. So I would say that his farts don't smell any worse, but there is more gas released when he farts. So it'll take it longer for the air to clear and, uh, and, and dissipate. However, I don't know the mechanics of his sphincter and his butt cheeks, but if his butt cheeks were to thunderclap when he farts, we know from our thunderclaps episode that could level a planet. That's true, right? Put out forest fires, uh, explode people's brains in their skulls, like all from a fart. Yeah. I also want to point out when Bruce becomes Hulk, basically everything just gets bigger. We can assume like his stomach enlarges, and, like all of his organs, his, his bones, his body tissue just expands. And now this doesn't impact current MCU Hulk, who's permanently Hulk, but like kind of the classic canonical Hulk, when he goes back into being Bruce, <laughs> everything shrinks back down, but not the gas molecules in his stomach. So when Hulk turns back into Bruce, he's gotta be ripping one of the That's biggest. gotta be, yeah, steady stream of, of fart. You know, like oh. that's why he had to walk over that hill in Age of Ultron is really, he was just trying to walk it off, <laughs> crop dusted on the other side of those trees. We often see him holding like some shredded pants. We don't see what happened to the seed of the pants, you know? I think if, if he were to thunderclap a fart, he must have uh, some control in order for that to be the case. Because not just any time Hulk claps his hands, he has to like aggressively, intentionally bring his hands together to create that uh, that shock wave. Yes. So when I fart, I'm not thinking about the, <laughs> the friction of my butt. Uh, I'm not you're, controlling you're not? it. It just happens. <laughs> You've never been in like a hot tub and trying to replicate one of the jets or something oh i can i can force one out i just can't control how it comes out i'll say it that way <laughs> uh we should move on to our final no! box of scraps <laughs> 20 more minutes of hulk farts <laughs> box of scraps box of scraps right it has to happen our box of scraps we're going to stay on the theme of curses so zach our, our box of scraps question this week have you ever felt like you were cursed well this is a little late in the episode to acknowledge this but i don't believe in curses or ghosts or 
or blessings or angels or really anything that's not um, Eric Voss in the new Rockstars channel. <laughs> Everything else <laughs> could be made up. Um, so I, I don't know that I necessarily feel felt cursed, but maybe the closest I've ever feeling cursed. There was a particular, a six month window where really my life kind of got turned upside down for a variety of reasons. This was not too long ago. You, you knew me during this period, but like I worked at a theater that closed. Oh, yeah. Uh, shortly mm -hmm. thereafter, a four-year relationship ended. And so I then, oh, I yeah. also had to move out and I kind of like lost a beloved pet dog in the in the transaction or, or the moving out. And I happened to move into a place not knowing these were, I, I had a roommate who's somebody I didn't know who turned out to be a drug addict, which was just like, those are, none of those things individually are totally insane or, um, oh my God, I'm cursed. But the fact that they all happened maybe within like a four month span. Also the, the drug addict overdosed while I lived uh, with him and, oh, and no. his dog died, which is again, it was oh, just, no. it was just a lot. It was just a lot. And then I, I got yeah. the other side and now everything's great. But um, that that might be the the period where if, if there had been a curse placed on me, if I had struck a a woman um, accidentally with my car, maybe while backing out of a Trader Joe's, that would have been the period of time in which she could have yeah. cursed me possibly. How about you, Eric? Have you ever felt cursed? I had a similar uh, transitory period in my life. I, uh, as you know, my apartment burned down in 2015. Um, but that week, days before that, I got in the, you know, knock on wood, only car accident I've ever been in in my life. Only time where there was like a, a moving collision uh, where someone just cut me off. She thought I was parked. I was clearly in a turn lane uh, and she clipped my car and it was a super stressful period. I'm like, this will be the most stressful thing that happens this week. And no, no, no. My f home burned down uh, four days later. Uh, it was caused by a, uh, I mean, it was a foreseeable thing for sure. The, the firefighters are like, yeah, we were waiting for this to happen because there was a construction site that was right adjacent to our building feet away that had been there in the dry, hot sun of drought, Southern California. And they brought in some dudes to tear it down. They weren't being careful. They let some sparks fly into some, some sawdust. Uh, the whole thing went ablaze and it scorched our building. I had to move out of it. But that's not the craziest thing. A month before that, my godmother's home burned down as well in Mississippi, um, which honestly, the curse here is the fact that we live on a cooking planet in which droughts happen that dry up things. And there's all kinds of construction oversight that these things are just bound to happen more and more. Anyway, um, but then, yeah, that whole summer was a very uh, dark period for my family. We had a, a cousin who passed away like a couple weeks after that. Um, Many people in my family believe that there was some kind of dark curse on our family uh, for that period of time. I thought the curse was lifted because on the other side of it, I, I met a girl and we started dating. And I think part of the reason she she <laughs> fell for me was I had written a whole blog about my story of like how I thought there was a curse on the family. And we got along fine. But then like a couple months later, Zach, I found out that she was a 9-11 truther. So I think the curse was still on. <sighs> <laughs> just just when you think you're out of the curse that's when the curse truly strikes she's like you want to talk about fires let's talk about the controlled demolitions that happened in the north tower ah, no no, uh, no she didn't say uh, that she's she's actually a very nice person she just believes certain anti-vaxxer and 9-11 truth or conspiracy theories it's fine it's fine i wish her the best but anyway so yeah i don't know if i believe in curses but I, as you do probably zach i do believe in when it rains it pours 
Yes. Good things come in bunches and bad things do the same. Yeah. Just how it happens. Well, uh, let us know if you have been cursed down below. We'd love to <laughs> talk more about these kind of things on New Rockstars other than just superhero theories. But on that, that is our show this week. Zach, it has been wonderful to talk about the terrifying real history of Hollywood with you. Thank you. Absolutely. Always a, a blast, Eric, when you have me on the show. Uh, thank you to the ghost of Tommy Bechtold the first for allowing us to complete this episode. Yes, thank you. And uh, please stay out of my dreams tonight. Please. A reminder to all of you watching that you can join our official Discord server by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash newrockstars. There you can submit questions. That's where we first see all of our big question submissions. You can also get an audio version of the show by subscribing to New Rockstars Big Question wherever you get your podcasts. And also you can tweet questions at us on Twitter using the hashtag big question. Follow me at EA Voss. Follow Zach at Z Huddleston. Follow New Rockstars on social. Subscribe here on YouTube to get too much information on all the stuff you care about, including the astral projected forms of Mr. Old Man Bechtold. Go Bills. <laughs> If you say go Bills three go times, Bills. he won't bother. Go Bills. All right, we're covered. We're good. We're good. We're good. See ya. <laughs>